When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. It's straight out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. Coming up, Forest Fell misfiring blues. Podcast host feigns annoyance at that. We have a transfer window debrief and round up the rest of the Chelsea news. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is straight out of Cobham. And that was not the way that Chelsea were looking to head straight into the international break. But we do have plenty to talk about on today's pod. We've got the game against Forest, and we're going to do a big transfer window debrief as well. We better get busy then. It's me, Matt Davis Adams, joined by the Athletics Chelsea expert Simon Johnson. Hi, Simon. Back in 12th. Consistency. <laughs> yeah, the Premier League table's looking uh, fairly familiar to some and not to others. By that, I mean that Forrest are above Chelsea and Manchester United. Uh, Dominic Fifield's also <laughs> with us. Good weekend for you and I, Dom, if not for Chelsea. Yeah, but we're not going to gloat, are we? Because no. we, we, we know this is a temporary situation, probably, most likely. <laughs> <laughs> we shall see. Uh, all right, let's get to the game on Saturday then. Well, here come Forrest. They've won it again. And it's sent forward by a one year to Alanga. Slots it home. Brilliant. Lovely finish from Anthony Elanga. That is a classy, classy finish from Elanga. I'm not going to put excuses. We should win. That is the mentality. But um, yes, we need to recover all the period to, to be stronger and to be better and being more competitive on the training ground to, to fight for their place and increase you know, the level of the team. Lucy tells me that the most common question tweeted to at Pod this weekend was, could we ask Matt to sit this one out, please? <laughs> Um, I'm afraid not. Chelsea nil, Forrest one. Sub Anthony Alanga with the only goal of the game. I was there. So was the Athletics Liam Toomey. His voice note was a deal more measured than mine. So Lucy said, let's just use Liam's rather than two minutes of you braying and cheering like a lout. Uh, here's Liam doing the opposite. Booze at the full-time whistle from the Chelsea fans, drowned out by an ecstatic roar from the travelling Nottingham Forest support. They've just seen their team's first win here since 1995 and most Chelsea fans have seen what is in my estimation well based on what I could see of it through the blistering sunshine that has assaulted the Stamford Bridge press box all afternoon Chelsea's most disappointing Premier League performance of the season lots of shots very little on target very little quality very few ideas and a sloppiness that ultimately gave the game to Forrest. This is the problem with committing a billion pounds on transfer fees, is that the, the reality of football at this level is that the talent gains are actually quite marginal. Spending a billion pounds doesn't make you a billion pounds better, even if that billion pounds is not net, obviously, as Mauricio Pochettino is keen to point out. You need a team that works coherently, that defends, that can play through a press, 
that can create consistent chances, can solve problems and be ruthless. And Chelsea were none of those things today, at least not to the standard that they need in order to win consistently in the Premier League. And, and if you're not up to that level, on any given day, Ola Reiner can get the better of Raheem Sterling. Anthony Alanga, a winger who's played in Premier League and Champions League matches, can outplay Mikhailo Mudrik, Noni Madueki. The, the talent differences are not big enough for you to out-talent teams in the Premier League. And this is why Chelsea are a work in progress, a very expensive one, granted, but a work in progress nonetheless. Pochettino will need a bit of time, a bit of patience. He's not going to get that from outside Chelsea, as evidenced by Forrest's repeated chance of what a waste of money. But he's going to need it from inside the club uh, to get players fit, to build those relationships on the pitch to a point where it looks seamless. It's nowhere near there yet, and Chelsea are losing points because of it. Nice to hear uh, Steve Cooper being serenaded in the background there, if not by Liam. Uh, Simon, Liam called this the most disappointing Premier League performance of the season. Would you agree with that? We we had crumbs of comfort, didn't we, against West Ham, but here it it kind of felt back to last season. Yeah, I mean, I'd say there were elements of the second half against West Ham. Nottingham Forest played with a very similar game plan. You know, sit deep, make it very difficult uh, to break them down. Chelsea didn't have the creativity to do that. And then Forrest took their their one big chance and it was a very sloppy goal to concede. It was flat. It was a team that reflects effectively what they are, which is a team that is still a work in progress, carrying a lot of baggage, I think, from last season's disappointment. E- even though there's a lot of new players there, I think the crowd themselves as well are still carrying last season's disappointment with them. So whenever... It gets a bit tight, like it did on Saturday. The moans and groans are very quick to come out. And I, I just think it was just a bad day at the office for, for everyone, including the crowd. Yeah, one win in nine in the Premier League at Stamford Bridge over last season. And this for Chelsea now. Uh, we put the call out, as ever, at SO Cobham Pod uh, for your thoughts, listener. Hirsch asked, please explain why Poch selected such a passive lineup against the team expected to sit in a low block with men behind the ball. Don't really need to hear the phrase low block for a couple of years, personally. But, Dom, it's a valid point, I guess. Albeit this was the same team that started the game against Luton and and Chelsea breezed through that. Are are you surprised that we haven't seen more rotation from Maurizio Pochettino so far? Or is that just a consequence of the fact that they got so many players injured? Definitely. When you've got nine or ten senior players in the treatment room, it does even limit Chelsea's options. I, I think he's also a head coach learning about his his players and you know he would have seen the, the the flashes of promise at periods against Liverpool and West Ham and and then obviously during the the win against Luton which was such a straightforward success really i mean it's difficult to gauge too much from that so why would he why would he change things up necessarily for this game yeah i mean what are his options really i suppose the Chilwell on the on the left of midfield in in this sort of morphing formation, I suppose you could you could target and wonder whether a bit more creativity with a maybe a Madueka, maybe throw Cole Palmer straight in. I, I don't know; those are the sort of the obvious ones, perhaps. But he he's a manager that is 
literally just finding out from day to day about his players. This, this, you know, he he wants time to coach them to to get them to play, and then there will be teething troubles, and there will be moments like this game against Forest, and 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 periods of other matches in in the in the weeks and months to come where where Chelsea don't click. And I think when you've flung this many players together in such a short period of time, that is inevitable. It was never going to hit the ground running and everybody hit it off from the from the start. So I think we're just going to have to accept that they're going to be at periods like this from now on. Uh, yeah, just to pick up on something Don mentioned there, Marius said, stop playing Chilwell on the wing and all will be good. Uh, here's one I'll put to you, Simon, from Pedro. What will have to happen for Poch to change formation? Will it be Nkunku coming back? He also says, do we need somebody uh, else on the left wing. Liam and I were chatting about this in, in the press room after the game. That Nkunku injury has really had a massive impact on Chelsea at the start of the season, hasn't it? Not just the fact they were expecting him to get goals, but the fact that they'd set up the team to to basically be be built around him in an attacking sense. Yeah, I mean, it feels like a case of deja vu when we're sort of um, referring to oh, bad luck with injuries and stuff it feels like we've been talking about injuries for ages but this one was a particularly significant blow because there was a combination growing between him and Jackson it was also sort of potentially taking a bit of pressure off Jackson because uh, you do wonder where the where the goals are going to come from you've got obviously Sterling has started quite well Jackson's only got one goal himself but there's not a lot of goals in this team certainly not yet Anyway, and he's still got the sort of lack of goals from midfield. And Enzo Fernandez, he, he's excellent player. I think he's the best signing Chelsea have made since the new owners arrived. But there's not many goals uh, to his name yet. Obviously, he got his first one against AFC Wimbledon. But you want to see him scoring in, in, in the Premier League. In terms of what will it take to change formation, maybe this, you know, maybe this uh, defeat. I actually tweeted before the game that that Pochettino has only made two changes to his starting eleven so far in the Premier League, which on one hand I find refreshing, you know, compared to the constant rotation that, that we saw game per game last season. And, and and I think that played a huge part in in there not being an understanding or looking like a team bond because the players were, were changing every week. But I, I do think that the without singling out Ben Chilworth criticism, I do think that that worked great against Liverpool and it's kind of had diminishing returns ever since. And I would like to see Ben Chilwell in his natural position with an actual attacking player in front. I'd like to see Pochettino go back to the 4-2-3-1 that worked well in pre-season. I'm not sure it's getting the best out of Levi Colwell either as a sort of a left-back when that formation changes depending on whether they're in and out of possession. I'd like to see a, a 4-2-3-1, but of course people will sort of say perhaps Thiago Silva's being protected a bit more with the way they're, they're set up at the moment. I, I agree with Simon in, in terms of the formation, but I, I suspect where Liam would tell us we're quibbling on how it morphs when the, the game starts. But I'm just on Nkunku, yeah, we can all say, my word, it looked promising in pre-season, but we should always remember that was pre-season. There was no guarantee that he was going to tear it up from the outset in the Premier League. He's another new player to to this division, to this, not this level. He's been playing well in the Bundesliga, obviously, but he's never experienced English football week to week. And, you know, he, he would have needed a period of adjustment as well, even if he had performed well in the United States on pre-season. So, yes, he's missed, but 
I don't think we can necessarily say that's the whole reason that, that Chelsea are, are struggling in front of goal, etc. Uh, Raheem Sterling, Simon, a uh, lot of opprobrium, not least from me last week when he wasn't selected in Gareth Southgate's England squad. Brilliant so far. Saturday he was in the pocket of checks notes, right-footed left-back Olerena. Uh, Gareth Southgate doesn't strike me as the type to crow, but but maybe he would have been feeling there was some vindication in, in his decision here. Was this just a, a bad day at the office for Sterling? Do you think he was affected by not getting in the England squad or did he just come up against a player who had a good game against him? I mean, as far as whether it affected him, the England snub, only he would be able to say that. Uh, we'd all be guessing on that front. But yeah, it was a bit surprising that he wasn't as aggressive, um, certainly in the dribbling department, taking players on as, as much as we've seen in the first few games. But in saying that, he could have had a few assists, as bad as or as underwhelming as he may have been. He did put a, a couple of chances on the plate for his teammates and then it'd be a, a different different story. We wouldn't be quite so focused on him. But that's, the, that's again, I think, sort of referring to what I said earlier, that there is this element of carrying last season's baggage into this season. So whenever Sterling is going to be under par, I think it's very quickly people are going to be pointing at him and, and wondering why and asking what's wrong and, and so on and so forth. But then when you are the biggest earner, that comes with the territory. You, you, you've got He knows he's got to deliver, or he should know, he's got to deliver week in, week out. And particularly if he wants to get back in the England squad, because performances like Saturday as you intimate, Matt, will only make Southgate think that he's made the right decision. I personally think that um, perhaps it might be a good thing that he's been left out, you know, that it had only been a few good performances. It's not like he should walk straight back into the England squad. Although people can also rightly highlight the inconsistency of the people who are in the England squads who aren't even playing for their clubs, so albeit in different parts of the pitch. But the thing about Sterling is, and this is what I like about Sterling, is he doesn't shy away from taking responsibility for not playing well. We, all, we As we discussed in a recent pod, that interview that he gave post the Luton game where, where he talks very candidly about knowing the quality of his play hadn't been good enough, he wasn't happy about it, that he's, he wants to concentrate on football 24-7. So no one will be beating himself up more over this international break. And I wouldn't be surprised as well if he's seen working very hard at Cobham again, which is what he did back in March when him and Southgate mutually agreed to not be in the England squad. And he worked very hard during that international break on his fitness. So, yeah, disappointing. But I think you should also give credit to Oloran as well. You know, he played well. And also, I think we have to give credit to Nottingham Forest and Steve Cooper. Like, they set it up brilliantly. I'm going to say it again. He would have watched that game tape at West Ham, I'm sure, the second half in particular, and gone, OK, this is the way to stop Chelsea. And other coaches, and this is what Pochettino's got to face, other coaches will now see the Nottingham Forest blueprint too and will try and copy that as well. So Pochettino and his players have got to come up with a way to be more creative and ruthless in the final third. So Raheem Sterling and Thiago Silva, they're very much the senior men of this squad. We'll talk more about the average age maybe when we get into our, our transfer chat. thought this was interesting, Dom. Uh, somebody put on Instagram 
This won't go down well, but I think it's time to drop Thiago Silva. Playing him is becoming a problem because we have to play a back five to shoehorn him in. There's a little bit more, nothing but respect to Thiago, etc., etc. Silva actually replied to this. If you look closely at the game, we're playing with a line of four, my friend, but there's no problem in assuming that I'm also responsible for the defeat. Put the pressure on me, thumbs up emoji. No problem yesterday, exclamation mark. Um, should players just stay off social media when their teams get beaten? I mean, what, what's he hoping to gain from this, do you think? Well, I don't know whether that's him. None of us do. Uh, there was a, another Premier League player recently who was in dispute with his club. Well, he wanted out of that club. And whilst he was, you know, negotiating his exit, let's say, he kept posting or somebody kept posting on his social media account pictures of him looking happy at said club and in the training rooms and meeting people behind the scenes, etc. Basically, kidding the fans along in my view and it apparently that was his agent doing that it wasn't him at all he didn't run his own twitter or say, instagram i don't know whether this is tiago silva or not i i don't think we can but if it is why shouldn't he stand up and and say that i don't have a problem with that at all and that's great um isn't that what social media is supposed to be about engaging slightly weird that he might have i, I don't know how this works with instagram has he actually searched his name is that how he's found out about it? I don't know. It's, um, si and I are probably completely the wrong people to ask about stuff like this. But it, it, yeah, if that is him and he wants to stand up and and he's not said anything there that, you know, he's not exactly saying that the bloke's wrong. He's 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 saying, well, yeah, I'm, I should get some flack as should all the, the, the players who, who lost to the uh, fellow two-time European champions at, at the weekend. I mean, it's just... I think that's good if he's engaging, if that is actually him. But again, I think there's a wariness there that somebody might be doing this on his behalf and uh, he may not have any clue that this has happened. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying it was his wife, but I just put Bell Silver into <laughs> Google and they define Bell Silver as internet personality. Um, so <laughs> that feels somewhat telling. Let's finish with some positivity, shall we, Simon? Uh, this comes from, I'm really sorry about this. I never know whether it's Lewis or Louis when it's spelled L-O-U-I-S, um, but whichever you are, thank you for getting in touch with us. Despite the doom and gloom, Chelsea have the second best XGD in the league and the second most X points. It will come and it's clear to see the progress both on the pitch and with the squad. Unfortunately, with Chelsea, every loss is treated like getting relegated. That last point is a hangover from last season, as we've been saying, isn't it? But Simon, generally, are you feeling like, you know, this was a kind of one-off and, and what we've seen from Pochettino's Chelsea so far should give us cause for optimism that this is going to be a much more enjoyable season than last time round, or, or are you feeling the other way? Well, firstly, I'm just relieved that you weren't asking about XG because then I'd, I'd quickly ask Liam to jump on <laughs> and I'd just bow out stage, stage right. Um, I just think Saturday is a classic case of swinging from one extreme to another. You know, one game and suddenly it's all doom and gloom and booze at the final whistle and, oh, it's all over and it's rubbish and, oh, Chelsea are this, that and the other. Yeah, it was a bad result. Not the best performance, but it just shows how it swung from... There was a lot of positivity around. No one was this doom and gloom a week before. I just think it's almost, touching on sort of what Dom said, it's almost inevitable that you're going to have this sort of one step forward, one step back kind of season. I just think anyone that thought, oh, 
magic wand Pochettino is going to come in and suddenly all the ills of last season are going to be corrected instantly. I just think we're living in fantasy land. I hesitate to use the words process and project because it's just so, so naff. But took a pure profit and a low block in there as well, oh, just, to, just to complete the bingo card. Well, you, you brought in XG into this conversation. <laughs> so <laughs> I just think, look, this team is still four games in. I, I don't count AFC Wimbledon. Four games into Pochettino's reign. It is going to take time for them to be all gelling. Like you can see, Casado is not 100% yet. You know, there are times where it, where you sort of go, yeah, that's why they spent that money. And then there's times where he makes a mistake like he did for the for the goal. It's going to be one of those seasons where you're going to have you're going to have setbacks along the way, and everyone should be prepared for that and not sort of overreact when it happens. All right, wise counsel. Uh, Chelsea return with a game away at Bournemouth after the international break. Apologies, listener, if you found my crowing today and on social media this weekend a little too much. But I should point out that when I started covering Chelsea in 2011-12, Forest were the 19th best team in the championship. So the prospect of them winning a league game at Stamford Bridge was a fairly distant one. Uh, right, we're going to talk about transfers, hopefully for the last time in 2023. Next. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Uh, Simon has written an excellent analysis of Chelsea's transfer window. Head to The Athletic to read the athletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the place to go to sign up. If you aren't currently a subscriber, it's dead cheap, so go and do it. Uh, 16 players have joined, 29 have left either permanently or on loan. Chelsea spent over £400 million. They did recoup £295 million. Jay Mann has been in touch, wants to know, now that the window has officially slammed shut, what's been the best bit of business and what's been the worst? Simon, in the piece, you've got Jackson as your best bit of business. What a jinx. Are you revising that (laughs) opinion now? (laughs) I felt like, you know, I should have put an asterisk or something because it it went on site on the Saturday morning and then he misses from a few yards out a few hours later. I I still... he said hesitatingly, look, he needs more goals to show for his work, but I, I still really like it. He still had some lovely moments on Saturday to back up what I was saying. I, I think he has added something to Chelsea's attack. The centre-forward position does seem to be working a lot better. You've got someone that is more involved in the play, not just controlling it, slowing the game down and passing it backwards. Kai Havertz. And... um and does pose a threat, but he needs more goals. But the reason, as I say in the piece, the reason, another reason why I think he's the best bit of business is, is the fee. I, I think given the amount that Chelsea have spent, 
32 million roughly or just over 30 million is is a is a good bit of business and when you sort of think of the expectation levels when he signed i don't think anyone was oh wow they've signed nicholas jackson you know, everyone was kind of going why have they signed him and I, and I must admit i was a kind of a little bit like oh, okay not really sure about this one but i i've liked what i've seen so far i'm trying to think of of anyone else that sort of rivals him as a as a top signing so far that that looks like they're going to take it onto another level. Don, we know you're a big Kendry Pires stan. Is there anybody else from the incomings that you think is going to prove? I was going to say prove good value. I mean, it's difficult with all these fees, isn't there? But is there anybody other than Jackson who you think right that is a significant improvement in a position where where Chelsea were were under club last season? Well, who knows? <laughs> it's the fees do warp how you think on on all this because the fees are ludicrously large on a lot of the signings. But if Moises Caicedo played for Chelsea like he played for Brighton, then clearly he's an upgrade on on what they had. Well, that's probably a bit of a slight on N'Golo Kante in his in his prime, but but certainly from last season and and more recent years. But that's a big if. Not many of Brighton's players who gets sold necessarily go on and thrive at their next club. So that that that's again, it's a a work in progress. It's something we're going to have to monitor. It's going to, you know, how long will it take him to settle and make the the impact and and return to the form that that attracted Chelsea to him in the first place? Romeo Lavia, I have no idea. I mean, do any of us have any? He's hardly played for Southampton, and yet he's suddenly a what fifty three million pound player. Who knows? Who knows? And they're they're all a bit like that, really. I mean. I agree with Sion for the fee that they paid for for Nicholas Jackson. That that is, you look at it and think, well, that might prove value for money. Although he's never been prolific, he had one one year where he got twelve goals at Villarreal, and that's that's the only time in his career that he's he's near, come close to a goal every two games. So clearly, he's going to have to add to that. But but all the others, Cole Palmer's hardly played a game. I mean, Liam couldn't even get any proper data on him because he's not played enough football I mean for for the piece that you wrote last week it's Leslie Ogachukwa who who knows who knows I don't think that Robert Sanchez is an upgrade personally because my memory is tainted with remembering him drop one at James Tompkins's feet last year in the Palace Brighton match but they all deserve time they all deserve time just to show what they can do and maybe in time with Pochettino, who we know is a good coach, with a good coaching setup, can work at them and improve them. Maybe they all do then come through and, and show that Chelsea, maybe not pay value for money, but maybe you know they are worthy Chelsea players, players who can take this club forward and get them challenging for trophies again. But at the moment, none of us know. We're all guessing. Uh, and in the piece, it's pointed out the average age of the squad is 22 and a half years old. Here's Finn, who says, I wasn't concerned until I realised we had a set rule not to buy players under the age of 25. Is is this a thing, Simon? It was it was doing the rounds on Chelsea Twitter at the weekend and James Madison was kind of held up as the example of maybe why that's not the best policy. Do, do we know that this is what the club are definitely doing? Well, yes, because I wrote about this about 10, 11 months ago. I said that the whole plan was to build a squad full of 18 to 25 year olds they wanted to bring the average age of the squad down it was on the older side and now it's flipped to basically being the youngest in the premier league um in one jump and if you take silver out 
and Sterling, you know, it's obviously even younger. There is a reason for this as well. It's what they thought of doing as a club is sort of like young, hungry players rather than players like, well, let me think, Romelu Lukaku, who sort of feels like, okay, don't have much left to prove. I'm happy with my pay packet and and just sort of going through the motions a little bit. Instead, the, the thinking is, oh, you know, get a group of young players that are on the way up rather than on the way down. Secondly, there's also the the business model of signing young players and long contracts, the thinking being they'll at least maintain their value, if not increase it. And then that leaves the opportunity to make a profit. Chelsea are going to sort of constantly trade. I think we're going to have to get used to it, buckle the seatbelts, transfer windows are going to be delight for me and Liam uh, for the considerable future. So who are they going to trade with? Well, that's obviously a, a very valid point because the money's all in the Premier League. And Saudi ends. You're not going to buy a 21-year-old, increase his value so he's 23 and then sell him to Saudi, surely, are you? Well, you're asking the wrong man. But (laughs) all I'm saying is that is the business model, is to technically sign them cheap, cheap, inverted commas, on smaller wages, on longer contracts so their, their value doesn't depreciate so much. But what if they're not playing? That's my concern. And then they're still able to be sold. But as Don rightly flags, that the market isn't that huge. And it's not that simple either. It is a point of concern because I do think Chelsea are very reliant on getting back into the Champions League for this this model to also work because of the, the money that brings in, but also the the stage that it puts their players on to make them appealing. If they're languishing in 12th, no one is going to come in with a £75 million offer for insert player's name here. I'm not going to single <laughs> anyone out. Because just touching on Dom's point to the, the, the transfer piece I did and who's the best player and all this, the big caveat to that piece was it's only been four <laughs> league games. It's, yeah. it's very hard to sort of go, although I'm totally, well, Dom would have read it, the goalkeeper situation, I'm calling it now. I haven't seen Petrovic, obviously. But you get a read of someone pretty quickly as a goalkeeper. Been sport to see Petacek and Thibaut Courtois, dare I say his name on this pod. You knew instantly. You felt instantly that these guys were the real deal. And I hope I'm proved wrong, but I'm not seeing much evidence of that from Robert Sanchez. All right. Uh, well, one of those young players who Chelsea are hoping will uh, increase his value is Cole Palmer. We didn't mention him much in the game. He came on for about half an hour or so. Looked pretty bright. Nice touches. Uh, who scored tells me he had a pass success percentage of 84.8. So there you go. That's Yay. something. Um, let's talk about some some nearly outgoings and some outgoings. What what happened with these Trevor Chalaber and Ian Matson deals that didn't quite happen then, Simon? A fee agreed with Burnley for Matson and Forrest pushed hard for Chalaber, but but he just wasn't interested. Is that is that a fair summary of that one? Yeah, well, obviously he had a very tempting offer to to, to go to Burnley, a club that he knows very well, Vincent Company coach that he knows very well. Perhaps perhaps there are concerns about Burnley's Premier League status that if if he goes there, will he be sort of back in the championship next season? Also, how long Vincent Company may be there, given he's a coach of some repute. I think Liam sort of tweeted something to that effect on Friday night when the decision that he didn't he didn't want to go to Burnley came to light. 
what it has done is cemented his popularity with the Chelsea fan base. There's nothing a player can do more to ingratiate themselves with a following than to have the opportunity to go and say, no, I want to stay. But will it also backfire on him? You know, how much football will we, will he actually get to play before it, inevitably the subject comes up again in January? Now there will be a lot of focus on whether he will sign a new contract. That's been sort of muted as a thing the club are trying to do. But for now, as a Chelsea player, I like Ian Matson. I think he's a player of great quality. But as Chelsea have shown, they're quite happy to cash in on on academy players. So I, I don't think this is the end of the matter. I think it's just perhaps something we'll be discussing again in January. And Chalaba, was he up for Bayern Munich, but not so much for Forest? Yeah, that's the case. He had no interest in going to Nottingham Forest. Sorry, oh. Matt. No interest at all. That was before the game on Saturday, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Maybe he's changed his mind. In fact, uh, words just reached me. Uh, <laughs> getting a call on my phone. Um, no, he wasn't interested in Forest. Forest actually made a bid or two. That's one of my... The cards has fallen from the mantelpiece. It just shows it's a live show. <laughs> actually, what is this card? So this is how easy I can be. Actually, I want to be distracted. Such a miserable pod today. Oh, that's nice. Uh, really happening. It... <laughs> what was the card? You can't leave us on tenterhooks like that. Hey, you. Hey, you. <laughs> it was a card my mother sent to my daughter. Aww. And it says, Grandma loves you. Where's my card? <laughs> Already been usurped. Anyway, where was I? Trev, back to Trev. Hey, you, Trev. No one sent him a card saying we love you, did they? Or maybe Thomas Tuchel did, and that that was what turned his head. That's the link. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Bayern Munich really, really wanted Chalabur. They wanted him on loan, though. Chelsea were only, really only wanted um, a sale. I was talking to people around him on the day. He was still optimistic it might happen, or people around him, rather, were optimistic it might happen. But in the end, nothing, nothing doing really. And then there was this sort of weird 11th hour, just when I thought, oh, brilliant. That's it. I can finally, after three months of stress, put my phone down. That's surely it for Chelsea. And then suddenly this uh, this Tottenham thing came out of, the, out of nowhere. But that didn't, there wasn't really anything much in that either. You, you always get this on deadline day, these sort of weird clubs out of nowhere developments. Although in saying that, in saying that, once the rumour came out, the link came out, the interest with Tottenham has been there for not just this window, but previous windows, so I was told. So there's something in there, but in terms of actually anything happening, nothing really came of it. So I feel for, for Trevor Chalaber because, as I said in my transfer round-up piece, I don't really get why he's being sidelined, apart from because of injury, and then Chelsea go and sign Disassi, who, yeah, he looks fine, looks okay, but you wouldn't sort of go, oh, yeah, he's a massive step up. And what you just said about Trev and Spurs, can we just copy and paste that for Conor Gallagher as well? <laughs> I, I think that's quite a complicated situation. Uh, he only has two years left on his contract. Chelsea have shown that they don't want players running their contracts down. He's an academy boy your profit on the books etc etc I think Chelsea would have been prepared to do business if a decent offer had come in from anybody in the end it was it was all talk as in clubs interest I think West Ham put a bid in 
but was was not to the value that, that the Chelsea, as in a few weeks ago or even months ago. So there's definitely interest there. Gallagher obviously loves it at Chelsea, absolutely loves it. But again, and, and I think Pochettino really likes Gallagher. But I, again, I think like, like Ian Matson, I think this is going to be doing the rounds again in January. And there was a piece on The Athletic last week about uh, what players at Premier League clubs actually support the team that they play for. And, and Connor was was one of those. Domi, as somebody who who enjoyed his time at Palace, are you kind of disappointed with the way that he's been treated by Chelsea? Are you impressed with his doggedness and determination to stay at the club that he loves for, for as long as possible? And do, do you think this has only got one outcome and that's that he leaves eventually? I don't think that's inevitable. I'm, I'm... If if uh, Chelsea put a contract on the table for him, I'm sure he'd he'd look at it and and you know assess him. He's been playing regularly. I, I guess if if Lavia proves a a hit in presses, then he may find his opportunities in in central midfield um, squeezed again. But he strikes me as being the the type of character that believes that he he can forge himself a future at at his boyhood club. Certainly. A lot of self belief there, and he's he's done well. He's he's a regular now in the England squad. I'd back him, and and in some ways, I I, I mean, I, maybe I'm maybe I'm just being an old soppy old romantic, but I quite like it when players who have an affinity with with a club end up playing for that club for a prolonged period of time. I mean, and that's coming from somebody that that, that loved loved it when Conor Gallagher was playing at at my club on loan in the temporary situation, but. That's my problem with a lot of this pure profit stripping Cobham of its of its prospects. Um, that aspect of Chelsea's recruitment, I've, I'm uncomfortable with, if I'm honest. But but you know, football's probably moved on and I've, and left me a long way behind. What what I like about Gallagher though is is it's been his response to all of this. I think he's shown great personality. You, you can. There'll be people out there that will rate his technical ability and 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 sort of wonder whether he's good enough for, for Chelsea. That that is that's always going to be the case with any player. But I don't think can be in doubt his character, his strength of character. He knows all this chat's been going on, and and yet it hasn't affected him. He, no one tries harder. Whether you think that's good enough is one thing, but you know, on Saturday, for example, he, he was working as hard as anyone to to turn that game around. Yeah, that's what I like like about Conor Gallagher is, is he's shown a lot of personality to to cope with all this talk that Chelsea want to sell him and, and, and so on and so forth. And it's not really affected his commitment levels. And I thought it was great that he was made captain last week against AFC Wimbledon for the first time. It must have been a great day for him and his family. Yeah, so Gallagher stayed. A couple of people did leave uh, since our Thursday pod. Mason Burstow to Sunderland on loan. I would encourage people to have a look at the short documentary that Chelsea put out about him last week. It was really, really excellent. It'll give you background on, on the player that you probably didn't know and it'll make you want to root for him as well, I think. Um, Bashir Humphreys went to Swansea on loan. That one had been mooted earlier in the window. He did also sign a four-year contract extension with Chelsea before he left. The under-18 striker Lewis Flower has gone to Brighton on a, a permanent, bucking the trend, etc. and so on. Uh, and finally, Simon, <laughs> that Diego Moreira first half against AFC Wimbledon did not go to plan, did it? So much so that he's been shipped out to Leon for the season. Yeah, and what an introduction to Leon. I don't know if you've seen the clip of the uh, the alt. I hope that hasn't given Chelsea uh, fans any ideas because 
that mic would be passed around the, the Matthew Harding end like nothing else. <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of people got a lot of things to get off their chest. But yeah, talk about walking into a rather tense situation. But I, I think this is a good... There was one international loan spot left, I think. My brain got a bit scrambled, even more so than usual, by the end of the transfer with loan. He didn't look first team ready to me. And that's having watched him in the under twenty ones. Looks a reasonable player, but but way off. He didn't particularly impress me in pre season. I thought Gabriel, who's just a, a sort of a weekly substitute at Strasbourg at the moment, looked a better player. Um, certainly more ready. So I think this makes sense. But again, it only makes sense if he plays. It's, these loans are are great in theory, but if they don't play, I don't think there's. Um, it ends up being a bit. Um, pointless so I, I hope he gets a lot of minutes because he needs them I think to sharpen up all right well that's all we're going to do in terms of transfer chat we haven't got a show until the Thursday before the season starts again so you just have to read about Mark Kukare's 700 million pound move to Ali Tihad <laughs> on The Athletic this episode is brought to you by Shopify whether you're selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Elsewhere in Chelsea News, the women's team took on Roma in their first pre-season friendly on Sunday night at Kings Meadow. They won 3-2. They had to come from behind twice to do that. Guro Wrighton got the first equaliser. Lauren James hit a special second before the marvellously monikered Aggie Beaver-Jones got the winner. Uh, our friend Sam Parkin was on co-coms for this one. He tells me via WhatsApp that new signing Shulkan Nuskan was impressive and that Lauren James was, quote, playing a different sport. Uh, the Blues kick off their WSL campaign at Stamford Bridge. They take on Spurs on the 1st of October. You can get tickets for that one now. Uh, also in action at Kings Meadow were the men's under-21s. They enjoyed a comfortable win against West Brom in PL2 on Friday night. That thanks to goals from Jimmy J. Morgan, our man Leo Castledine and Donnell McNeely. And meanwhile, the under-18s took on Barnsley at Cobham on Saturday in the under-18 PL Cup. They came from behind as well. They eventually won by four goals to two. Right, we're just about done. Simon, are you putting your feet up for a couple of weeks? Are you still going to be writing some stuff for athletic subscribers to enjoy? Well, I haven't talked to Dom yet. Um, <laughs> I'd, I like to do the former. Yeah, you're not going to do the latter, though, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I probably will have to do some work this week. Yeah, unfortunately. Okay. That's, that's my only answer. I think we're going to, one of the people we're going to write about is uh, Mikhaila Midrick. All right, we've had a few tweets from people asking if he should go out on loan, actually. So um, you'll have to read the piece to see if that's something that, that Simon agrees with. Um, Dom, is there anything on the site that you would like to point people in the direction of? 
I think Liam will be writing potentially on a piece ahead of the the Legends game this weekend. I think that's happening on Saturday, isn't it, against Bayern Munich? Um, so there might be something on 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 that uh, to keep an eye on for later in the week. And again, by Liam looking at Chelsea's achievement in, as you mentioned, clearing twenty nine players off the books, which probably represents the the biggest not fire sale but the biggest revamp of a squad that the Premier League era has ever seen. And usually, you, it's associated with clubs that are relegated, isn't it? But it's 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 not uh, Chelsea have instigated that themselves and and have raised some pretty significant and eye catching fees in the process. All right, athletic.com slash Chelsea pod, as I say, the place to go to sign up. It's only a pound and 99 pence per month for the first 12 months. So lots of good stuff, non-Chelsea based up there as well. You've got Nick Miller's Premier League briefing and uh, there's a big piece inside Mason Greenwood's move to Hetafe. If you can stomach that, that's the kind of thing that the Athletic does really well. Uh, at SO Cobham Pod is the place to follow us on Twitter slash X. If you would like, send us your thoughts at your convenience. Uh, we do read them all, even if they don't get read out, and we appreciate the interactivity, and we appreciate everybody who gives us a five-star rating on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. If you could leave a few nice words, that's always helpful too. It allows other Chelsea supporters to find us more easily. So as I say, Break for Internationals now. We'll be back on Thursday of next week. That is the 14th of September when we'll be building up to Bournemouth. Will Simon be in the away end again? Probably not, but we'll probably wheel out that story because it was a good one. Uh, thanks to Simon, to Dom, to Lucy for their contributions today and to you, listener. We'll be back with you on the 14th of September. Enjoy the break. See you soon. The Athletic.